0: interviewed from the modern man approach of uh, clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So, have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature, maybe. Enjoy. Today, I wish to speak to you about a subject that is close to home. It's a subject that is really hard for most of us, and that has been probably interpreted in plenty of different ways, depending on, well, the time, the culture, and just the mindset of different people. And I'm not even going to begin by saying what that subject is. Instead, I want to begin with just reminding you, if you've been listening to me for some time, that over the past weeks, I have spoken about connecting to a deeper layer of yourself. I have spoken about the five layers, actually, of the yogic anatomy for the body, and how through choosing the right actions, we clear each and every one of them in order to allow for our true nature to shine through. I have also given you a roadmap of that clearing journey, the detoxification process, if you will, for every layer, whether physical or subtle. Depending on where you are at with yourself and where you are at on your journey, on this path we call life, these actions or procedures, the rituals, the routines, will seem more or less applicable or easy to apply. I cannot even begin to tell you how many people want to negotiate with me when I give them the recommendations to follow. Yes, but I have this specific thing, or I am like that. We try to negotiate both how we deal with our emotions, with the food we eat, and the rhythm of our sleep patterns. Let's not forget, of course, physical activity. But the truth of the matter is that the equation is, after all, rather simple. We are diurnal animals, so yes, your hormones will play out if you do not sleep at the right time. We are not meant to eat things that are not nutritious, so indeed when you eat highly processed things or packaged foods and so on, your metabolism will suffer. The things we put into our mouths have one purpose, and that is to nourish us. Therefore, it's not supposed to entertain us. You are not meant to live on your own. But no one else is responsible for your well-being, your balance. Only you can actually take care of that. Therefore, we must start with our own well-being before we can have healthy relationships with other people. The truth is, when you start to commit to your life, to your well-being and to your needs, there will be moments where you have to shed off some stuff from the past. Things that maybe you are used to be doing. People maybe that you used to spend time with. Opinions that you would allow to exist for you and for maybe just the people around you. The closer you get to standing in your own true nature the more you will practice integrity. And that is the really subject of today's episode. Because you know what? Mainly the reason that you suffer from something, one ailment or another, is the fact that you do not have integrity. That you do not know how to stand in your own integrity, in order to follow that which we call, in an Ayurvedic perspective, the spontaneous right action. What do I mean by that kind of action? Well, it's what emerges as an instinct, as a reflex, I would say, even, in any given situation when you see things clearly. When you see things clearly, which means that it is not the reaction you will have due to fear of some kind. In order to adjust this for yourself, you need to begin with taking a really good look at what you do and the intentions behind what you do. And in order to do so, you need to look without judgment because what you will notice, actually, is that many of the habits that you have, many of the actions that you take, have a rather different underlying intention than what you tell yourself. So I would like to address this, first of all, from the perspective of our need to control. Because control is our friend and also our enemy, depending on the scenario, depending on the underlying intention. You see, we need a certain level of self-control when we start to take action. Discipline is a very important thing as we make our way towards any kind of change. Our brain is wired for familiarity, and so we need to break out of the familiar patterns, which always feels uncomfortable. This discipline comes from an intention of what in yoga and Ayurveda we would call ahimsa. Ahimsa is a Sanskrit word which means non-violence and it's actually the first principle of yoga when we approach yoga from the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Ahimsa is quite different with the discipline that we use as a drive in our daily lives. In our daily lives, it's an intention, very often, of kind of beating ourselves into submission instead. Because otherwise, we are flawed. And even though it can seem almost unrelated to focus on this, it is actually the root cause of all our issues. We do not know the difference between these two intentions. And to remind you, in case you weren't clear on what I mean by the two intentions, so nonviolence or beating ourselves into submission. We can, of course, explain this by looking at the societal structure, but also simply from survival, because we desire to feel safe. And so we will do whatever it takes to establish that. If we lived in a space of abundance, this might translate into something different. Yet I believe that there is an inherent drive of progression in human nature that is stimulated by our capacity to project ourselves into the future. When there is a gap between where we are And where we desire to be, it stimulates this drive. However, the joy of moving in that direction only stays healthy as long as we have faith in the achievement of this desire. When we live in scarcity, we are no longer convinced that we will get there. So instead, we turn that action into violence. And since we have been conditioned into believing in our own inherent imperfect state, we are addicted to the feeling of quote-unquote hard work because it promises us improvement. We clearly see how that change comes into our lives when we transition From childhood to adulthood, for instance, the difference between play and work is that one flows and the other strives. Ironically enough, striving makes us resist the desired outcome, and therefore it becomes harder to obtain, whereas the play feeling has no resistance whatsoever, and therefore it is done with full ease. The pitfall when we want to make change is that we are so focused on the gap between where we are and what we desire to be, that we automatically turn on the resistance and make it harder to obtain. This is why the maybe cliché phrase, it's all about the journey, not the destination. It's true. When we play, there is no destination. The journey in itself is the destination. We can see this very easily. As children play, they're doing that as long as they're having fun. And when they're over it, they just stop playing and then they go and do something else. But as adults, we fear that if we do not you know, keep the eye on the prize we will fail because we are inherently flawed and need to be beaten into submission. So we make our plan of action with the intention of improving our state so that we can finally, and once again, quote-unquote, get there, be perfect and free. Now, that whole idea of getting there is such a mistake. Because the thing is, we actually do not know, really, what there is supposed to be, first and foremost. But secondly, if we keep practicing the lack of it, even if we would get there, so to speak, would we actually be capable of enjoying it of being in it since we desire this reward so strongly we become determined to succeed and that is really where the violence in our actions come in the conditioning to prove ourselves that we are worthy is so familiar that it feels very comfortable to just be in that state. It feels reassuring because we get the impression of having a structure, a frame within which we operate. If we would turn to the intention of non-violence, it would feel unfamiliar and therefore uncertain. And so we perpetuate our state of imbalance by keep doing what we've always been doing. We can take just a couple of examples in order to illustrate this tendency that we all suffer from to a certain extent, I'm sure. One of them just being the fact that we have understood exercise as something that needs to exhaust us. Now, please, don't get me wrong. All of the examples that I'm going to give you, basically things that I have been very convinced of myself. So I'm not just projecting this onto you. I've definitely experienced it and probably fall back on those patterns every now and again. So we easily believe that in order for something to be called as exercise, it means that we need to exhaust ourselves so that we really feel that we got that workout in, right? We need to feel that we've been sweating, maybe. We need to feel that we're pushing ourselves. And actually that is not true if we would look at the way ancient traditions would maintain their physical health through different kinds of practices such as yoga as tai chi as qigong as the different martial arts and actually many other that I don't know the names of. Because actually, in all parts of the world, not only actually in the East, in that which we call Asia today, there were practices similar to yoga, different kinds of yogas. And what we can see in all of these, really, that they have in common, is that there was no pushing sweating, exhausting oneself. Instead, there was much more a question of lubrification of the joints, which is exactly what happens when the body moves. The body needs movement in order to stay healthy. But that movement has no need whatsoever to be Repeated as many times so that the body becomes exhausted. If we would look at, well, let's say a certain number of years ago, because unfortunately today obesity is everywhere in the world. But in China, having the kind of diet that is very much based on quite a lot of starch, rice, and practicing the arts of tai chi and qigong, of moving the the qi or the qi well actually maintained a rather nice and strong and slim physical body I am so grateful that you have chosen to give me some time of your day to listen to this episode Now. This is all done on my free time. There's no money involved in this podcast. So if you would like to support me somehow, I would love for that to happen. And you could do that by simply rating and reviewing. So what that means is that if you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can simply give me five stars review and you can give me a commentary, obviously, if you feel that it deserves it. Once again, thank you so much and enjoy the listening. So when the Ayurvedic practitioner would state that you should only exercise until you start to actually sweat under your arms, which happens very fast for many of us, right? And then you should stop or even more so, that your daily physical exercise should only be pushed to the level of 50% of your full capacity, then most people will not be able to relate to that, right? They will make big eyes and go, okay, whatever, and then they won't do it because they believe that that will not be exercise. Same happens when we would speak of simply the fact that you cannot exercise away a bad diet. An enormous amount of people I've met, and once again, definitely I raise my hand as being guilty as charged, would use exercise as a way to compensate having eating the wrong things, or actually not even eating the wrong things, but overeating on healthy things. Because you know what? It's not necessarily a question of what you eat sometimes, but maybe the quantities of what you eat. And then they get into this vicious cycle of overeating, compensating by pushing themselves in exercise, which will increase, of course, their hunger levels even more. Their fire is increasing. Inflammation is increasing and so they will eat more again, and so on and so forth, and they get caught in that cycle, and their answer will be, when well, I'm exercising so much, of course I need to eat more. There is no non-violence really, taking care of yourself in that statement, or in the thought that lies behind it. Look at the personal relationships that we have, where we feel empty and miserable. And so we're projecting all the possibilities of how we could feel onto the actions of the people around us and i'm not even speaking only here you know about romantic relationships it's friendships it's work relationships of course very much as well but even just family wise i would say that a very big part of parents have children for the wrong reasons originally if they would really investigate in the intention behind the desire to have children. I would say that many do it because it's what's expected or to kind of assure a future maybe when they grow old that there will be someone taking care of them. Or the fact of trying to accomplish certain things that you feel you failed yourself? The actions we take when it comes to the professional life that we're leading, once again, very much are the actions coming from nonviolence, from love, or are these actions coming from a place of scarcity, fear, not being enough, beating oneself into submission for the fear that if I would actually just go with the flow, I will not succeed. This topic of integrity goes far deeper, but one of the very first things to do would be to begin observing the different habits that you have, the different actions that you take, the reactions The fact of claiming that you are not capable of going to bed early or that you will not have a social life, I've heard that one many times of course, if you have an early dinner and go to bed early, if you start choosing to eat a cleaner diet, coming back to why You take the actions that you take. And it's not an easy task. Believe you me. But before I end, I also want to make that statement that this work there is just like the catchphrase of it's not about the destination but the journey. It's a lifelong work. So it's not something that we necessarily want to take on as a mission, but more as a choice of life, a lifestyle, a philosophy of living, if you will. I believe that we could dive deeper into this topic over the coming weeks, because I think that it is something that every single person struggles with. Please let me know your thoughts on this, your struggles on this, and if there's a specific part of that that you would be interested in hearing just my reflection on. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time, Namaste.